the podcast with your host, Mike May. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. I think after last episode, I need to strongly consider renaming the podcast to the With That Being Said podcast because I may have used that filler 10 plus times in the previous episode to the point that it made me nearly sick listening back to it. So I apologize for all of you that had to live through that moment. As we all know, Jordan was the more loquacious one of the pair, and I barely speak any English. So it's going to take me a little bit of time to get comfortable recording solo and get into a groove. With that being said, we are here again Friday night, as promised, recording right after the Arizona game. So this episode will bleed into Saturday. But with that being said, the only one of the episode, we are 53 games into the season. The Hurricanes sit 31-17-5. They are second in the Metro and fourth in the East and are 7-3 and three through their last 10, 10 games. You're going to have to bear with me a little bit. It's late night. I felt that I needed to watch the whole Coyotes game prior to recording so that we could have a three-game segment to cover. So it is late right now, and my brain wants me to go to sleep. But we're going to knock this out. Hopefully you all enjoy it. We're going to start with talking about the games that have happened since our previous episode. We're going to start with the home tilt against the New Jersey Devils on February 10th. That is the annual Whalers night. If you haven't been to one of those, I highly recommend it. As the kids would say, the vibes are immaculate, and they really are. It's it's a fantastic atmosphere. The jerseys are amazing. Everybody is into it. I really do think it's the greatest regular season game we have every year outside of opening night, but it's, it's a must-see at least once. I enjoy it every single year. The throwback music, the uniforms, you name it, all the fanfare. It's really a great experience. Now, shifting to the hockey game, maybe not the greatest experience. Two goalies that were playing well and two teams that were struggling to finish, which led us to being tied 0-0 at the end of regulation. Luckily for the Hurricanes, Sebastian Ajo with a fantastic bat-in goal, wins it. Natchez drives, is able to get a pretty good shot off. Ajo comes in after the save and is able to bat it out of the air to the back of the net. Great goal, great overtime win. What the Hurricanes needed after a game like that where they struggled to finish some chances. Walking away with an overtime win will take the wins no matter how they come at this time of year. It's really about putting yourself in playoff position so that you can maximize your play down the road. And we'll discuss that more later on. But with that with that not being said, because I'm not going to say this anymore, <laughs> is we're going to move forward to the next game. Because what I got out of the Devils game was Sloppy, sloppy from the Hurricanes. You get a Kuchetkov shutout, which is awesome. We love that. Still no Anderson or Pesci in that game. Svech comes back and he's rusty, but the Hurricanes are just sloppy on almost all aspects of their game. 
but more specifically in the penalty category. They were awful in taking penalties all night, and they took a lot of penalties that were unnecessary. And that is something that if it rears its ugly head come playoff times, that would be something that loses you a series. So when I see games like that, it, it really frustrates me because the Canes have a reputation. Their style of play dictates that they're more aggressive. They already draw tons or take, excuse me, tons of penalties. You really have to figure it out now so that going into the playoffs, it isn't an issue. I hate when we see games like that where penalties really are the biggest miscue for the Hurricanes. And it kind of bled into the next game. You fast forward three days. We're away at Dallas, February 13th. And I really did feel as if Dallas was the better team throughout the whole game. And I know Rod mentioned some of the bounces in our go away. You know, the typical Rod responses to when games have outcomes like that where he likes the fact that they played their system and got to their game and did all those little things. But the difference between a Dallas team and, a, and our Carolina team is that they definitely have a little bit more finish on their side of the sheet. You look at guys like a Pavelski, who's a net front wizard. You look at Robertson, who's capable of being a big point producer. You look at even guys like Duchesne in the past that have had histories of being really good. Jamie Ben isn't the really the presence that he used to be, but you, you look at that lineup and they, they certainly have more finish to it. No doubt about it. Even, I mean, Rope hints for sure. It's, got more finish to it in my opinion than the hurricanes do i think the teams are very similar in a lot of aspects but i think dallas is better in that category and they're certainly better in net and that's a team that has stanley cup aspirations as well so when you play them that should be a gut check in february to tell you where you're at the canes experienced this in seasons past where yeah they're gonna beat the teams that they're supposed to beat in the playoffs, but the second you come across a team that's evenly matched in skill or has a higher level of skill, it's very easy for those to run away from you. We've lost series to New York because of that. We lost to Florida last year because of that. So the Dallas game leaves a bad taste in my mouth. A 4-2 regulation loss, you really can't fault Kachekov too much in that game, I didn't think. And I know that's been a big topic of conversation over the last month or so is goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. It's just all in all, I think that the Canes were not the better team. Do I think the Canes could beat Dallas in a best of seven series? Sure. Absolutely. If the Canes play their best hockey, they, they can beat anybody. But it depends on what the other team brings. If Dallas brings their best, the Canes are going to have a really hard time. I, I think it's fair to admit that. So that game didn't leave the best taste in my mouth, which then leads us to tonight's game. Arizona away, Friday night, only game on. And they did what they were supposed to do. They beat a team on a big losing streak. They beat a team they were supposed to beat. They did it convincingly. I still don't think they looked great, to be 
quite honest with you. I think they look good, not great, which I am also fine with. I've said this many times before. I would like this team to peak in the last 28 games of their season. And if they do that and don't win the cup, then so be it. If they played their best hockey the last 28 games of the season and they maximize their potential and another team was playing at a higher level, then so be it. You can accept that as a result. But what we don't want to see is what we've seen in the past where they have slowed down a touch when other teams have sped up towards the finish line. So not feeling horrible about how the last three games have gone because you've gotten two two wins out of it. There's plenty of room to improve. And then we rewind one day to Thursday, and the big news that comes out is the return of Freddie to practice, taking NHL shots again, which blows my mind, to be completely honest. I never expected a goalie suffering from blood clots to ever come back. With that being said, he hasn't played in a game yet, and it doesn't mean he will play in a game, but all signs are pointing to Freddie returning this year, and I'm blown away by that. It is the thing I've said probably three or four podcasts now. I would never be the doctor that cleared him to play. It, it is way too high risk, but I'm not a doctor, so we'll let them handle their business. And if Freddie's healthy to return and it's safe, I'm glad. I'm very glad. I think we're seeing a Coach Hetkov that with more reps and more reps is slowly becoming a better goalie. I think we'll see the best out of him over the next couple years. I don't think it's this season, but I think it's on the way. And I'm encouraged by some of the things I see from Piotr. So you return a guy like Freddie to the mix. Well, you're starting to look good in, in the crease. A lot of people forget what Freddie has been. And you have to realize like a blood clot isn't going to isn't a knee injury. It's not anything like that that's going to slow him down, limit his mobility. If anything, the rest of his body is fresher than it would normally be at this point in the season. His last 3 games before going out were a 923 save percentage, a 929 save percentage, and a 923 percentage, all games with two goals against. That sounds fantastic to me. I know it's only a three-game sample size, and prior to that wasn't his best effort. But that's the Freddie that we've seen in the past. And, it, and it's easy to quickly forget that he's been very solid in Carolina. If we get 21-22 Freddie Anderson, 922 save percentage, 2.17 goals against, you're cooking. You're cooking. I know he had a down year in 22-23, only playing 34 games, still above 900, still below two and a half goals against. Goals saved above average is about a net zero. But we know the Freddy that we can get, and we've talked about playoff Freddy. Anderson has been to the playoffs one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons. 
in eight seasons, he has been 913, 9.15, 9.22, 9.47, 9.36, 9.27. He had two seasons below 900. The rest, he's sitting well above 92% save. Like, that's fantastic. In 1920 in Toronto, 1.84 goals against. In 22-23 in Carolina, 1.83 goals against. Right? These are the things. He's a good goalie. Goal saved above average in the last two playoff runs, 3.1-5.4. He is a goalie that can win you a cup. There's no doubt about it. Can he get healthy? Can he get back to form? Those are the big questions. I see tons of discourse online about how the Canes have to get a goalie, have to get a goalie, have to get a goalie. The trade deadline is March 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern time, okay? So... We have nine games between today and March 8th for Freddie to get a chance to come back in and play. Hopefully, one, two, three games, maybe even more. You have plenty of time to evaluate if you need a goalie. And the Hurricanes in March only play on the 2nd and the 7th. So out of the first eight days of March, they only have two games. Why would you not give Freddie every opportunity to come back when he's a cost-effective guy that you don't have to give up assets to get? It doesn't make sense to go give up all of your assets to get a UC Soros if you have a Freddie Anderson, in my opinion. In no world am I trading away Martin Natchez for UC Soros without without there being other skilled players coming back. Like, I don't see that. It doesn't make sense for me, that trade. Especially with Freddie locked up next year. I, I, I It doesn't make sense to me. And Freddie has been a good goalie. As we just kind of looked at those numbers, we've seen it in person too, the eye test pass. And you have Kochekov who's coming into his own, who eventually could be a guy that can take over if necessary. So let's see how things shake out. We've got time between now and the trade deadline. And I really think that we'll circle back to the idea of, let's say Freddie works out. Let's say Freddie comes back. He looks good. He's ready to play. What do the Canes need? We've talked about it nonstop. A two-center, a two-center, a two-center. For me, you have to consider what does the long-term picture look like for the Canes lineup. Talk about core pieces. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that the Canes do everything possible to lock up Seth Jarvis on an eight-year deal. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. The thing that piques my interest the most is does Rod Brendamore see Seth as a long-term center? He's given him opportunities in the dot. You know he's capable of playing center. But what we don't know at this time is does Rod think he can make the jump to NHL center? If he does, it would probably need to be in the next year or two. 
Otherwise, he'll probably cement himself as a winger. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But if Rod thinks he's a center, then you've got your one-two punch in Ajo and Jarvis moving forward. You've got two young guys that are going to be your your middle pivots for quite some time. So in the interim, what do you get? I'm not going out and getting a young guy. Then then we're coming back to stacking three across the middle. You could leave Seth on the wings. You could have the flexibility. It never hurts to have more guys that can take faceoffs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if you can get a cost-controlled Seth Jarvis paid winger money to eventually convert into a legitimate two-center, which I think there's a chance that he could be that, then why don't you go out and try to get an O'Reilly? By the time Jarvis is ready to be your 2C, I think it would you could slot O'Reilly into your 3C and you could bump stall down to 4C. The timing would work out very smoothly. You're running Ajo, Jarvis, O'Reilly, Stahl as your three pivots. We already know that all of them are good at face-offs. If Jarvis can become a, a mid to low 50s guy, you have four excellent centers for the next three, four, five years, however long O'Reilly and Stahl stick around. I think that's the guy that makes the most sense. I think that is a guy that can fit into Rod's system provide a little bit more offense, be your bona fide number two center that you need. And right now, as of today, Nashville sits outside the playoff picture. You know, they're fifth in wild card in the West Coast, and they have games in hand on the teams in front in front of them. Or the teams in front of them, excuse me, have games to hand on them, that being the St. Louis Blues and the Los Angeles Kings. There was a long time where the Nashville Predators start to really turn it on, and they're like, hey, maybe we don't. Maybe we don't become sellers. Well, they're now 3-6-1 and one in the last 10 games, and they have less than a month to figure out if they're sellers or not. That's who I am targeting if I'm the Carolina Hurricanes. I know it didn't work out for Toronto when they acquired O'Reilly last year but I think it's a guy that fits in it's a guy with term it's a guy the Canes have targeted before it's making more and more sense to me it is a bit of a swing because I do think he's not going to be cheap I think he's going to cost you more than a first round pick but I would gladly pay that today if you insert a guy like O'Reilly into the lineup I think you're instantly much better than you were before and it could you know if you if kk is a guy moving out in a deal like that you know so be it we know that nashville is looking for high-end scoring i don't think it makes sense for the canes to move natchez in a deal for an o'reilly especially if you have aspirations of winning the cup this year but that is probably the number one guy on my list that makes the most sense for the hurricanes would totally fit into the system, cerebral guy who's been there, done it, that makes the Canes immediately better. Think about that. Think about a team with Freddie playing extremely well, with Kachetkov coming into his own as a two. You add in an excellent two-center 
and O'Reilly. And this team has a serious opportunity to go far in the playoffs. Just something to think about over the next several weeks as things start to unfold. We're going to get a better idea of if Freddie coming back is legit. We're going to have a better idea of if he plays well. But in the meantime, that is where I would be focusing my attention if I was GM Don Waddell. That's all for now. Game's coming up between now and the next recording. We're at Vegas tomorrow night. Come back home for Chicago on the 19th and Florida for the 22nd. So again, we'll have a little three-game chunk to review. Otherwise, I hope you all have a fantastic weekend and following week, and I look forward to the next episode. Take care.